Hey, everybody. What's up? It's your boy, MJ. Just wanted to uh, say a little something about this special content that we're bringing you from Hospice Daron and Postle Robles. Uh, these episodes are made possible by the generous contribution of Jeremy Leffert and Mel Burns. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, MJ. And I'm thrilled to bring you a series of special episodes live from Hospice Daron and Postle Robles. This is the flagship event. Um, it's a biennial event, and it brings together a community of winemakers and wine lovers from around the world. And if you haven't been before, just consider this your invitation to Hospice 2023. Over the next three days, there'll be tastings featuring over 120 international Rhone wine producers. There'll be seminars on what's happening on the forefront of the Rhone thinking and an exclusive live auction. Your boy has a lot in it. And delicious meals paired with Rhone wines. I mean... You know me. I'm, this is heaven. Uh, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm glad you guys are going to uh, bring this to you, a series of quick, fun interviews with many of the brilliant winemakers and prominent uh, wine folks that are here this year. You guys ready? Let's get to it. I'm James Suckling, and this is your Masterclass. <laughs> What's up, everybody? It's your boy, MJ. The man needs no introduction. Look who I wrangled to get over here. I kind of feel bad. I was kind of... Uh, fanboying on him but uh, he was gracious no. enough to come over and sit down with us to get you know another interview here at a uh, hospice Zerone and and, and Paso robles james thanks so much for being here man no it's really great to be here and um it's been a blast uh, so far i hope you've been enjoying the event oh my god it's it, it's it's been so much fun and you know as you know as we all know it's been crazy the past couple years and um you know locked down and now things are really opening up and so just to be at an event like this with wine lovers, it, yeah, I'm excited, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to see, you know, be with human beings again. Yeah. Instead of just Zooming everything and um, just going out and kicking dirt, seeing vineyards, tasting wine. It's been really a blast, and I'm just feeling really good right now. Yeah. So believe it or not, I mean, in this world of influencers, um, there might be some people who don't know exactly. He does have a master class, by the way, okay? Uh, so just tell people a little about your, your history in wine. Yeah, sure. Well, um, I started at the Wine Spectator in December uh, 1981. Wow. And spent 29 years there. I was a, a journalist before, a daily journalist of, at the Wisconsin State Journal in Madison, Wisconsin. Wow. And then um, I came back to Los Angeles where I was born and raised and couldn't get a job at the Los Angeles Times. And so um, saw an ad for a, a magazine called The Wine Spectator which was in a garage in San Diego. We had something like 500 readers. Wow. So um, it, was a, it, was, it was sort of a, a strange beginning and then uh, just worked into that. I moved to Paris in 85 as the European bureau chief and then just kept on traveling. Oh, my And now God. ended all the ways in the east in Hong Kong. So. Yeah, I was going to say, so you worked there for 29 years. Yeah. And then um, uh, at some point... Some point you decided to go out on your own. Um, why? What? 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 What caused you to strike out on your own? Well, it, it was just that you know, after 29 years, I was saying to myself, "Do I want to do this the rest of my life?" <laughs> you know, and Wait, I was aren't like, "Essentially doing the same thing." No, <laughs> I am, but I'm I'm doing it on my own. Got Actually, it. with a lot, I have 22 staff, and so I have a great team. Yeah, but it was just really I wanted to do something different. And, you know, I, I love wine and I loved uh, writing and, uh, and being a wine critic, but I wanted to I wanted it to be my own. So um, mm. I, you know, m made the move and 
and it worked out. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I wasn't yeah, sure at yeah, some yeah. point, but <laughs> like it was like whoa. Uh, so it worked out a little bit. Yeah. Um, so you said you were born and raised in Los Angeles. Yes. Um, was there wine in your life? Was there wine on the table when you were growing up? Did your parents drink wine? Yeah. So uh, I was from. I was born and raised in Hancock Park, and okay, my wow. uh, my dad and my mom were divorced, so he lived in. Um, in Beverly Hills, but he was always so uh, really into wine. Okay. And so uh, he was at the time. This was in the '60s and '70s. He was um, he was mostly into French wines and uh, California wines. Okay. So there was some, ama- you know, it w- and um, God bless him. He died last year. He was oh, 91. Sorry, no, that's oh. that's okay. But he was really annoying because um, <laughs> when he was <laughs> when he was older, he would always bring out all these like bottles of Lafitte and stuff, and they still had the price tag on it. it was like you know, worse. It was like three ninety nine. <laughs> oh my god! And then he'd be saying stuff like. Hey, I go, hey, Daddy, you know, these are a bit more expensive now. <laughs> and he's like, really? Jimmy, I, I don't understand. Go, oh, he, I'm sure he knew that, but he was just, you know, had to give me a bad time. That's so but cool. anyway, so wine was in our family. Okay. And, uh, and I didn't really taste until I was maybe 17. And I remember my dad poured a bottle of 1966 Lafitte mm. um, at this French restaurant in um brentwood i think and i just remember oh my god now i understand why my dad loved wine yeah. and what was cool about what it taught me was really it wasn't just drinking wine it was all of the ceremony and the experience uh behind it and he was always talking to his you know to his buddies about the intricacies of vintages mm-hmm. and and it wouldn't go on for hours he wasn't super geek but it was always just part of the conversation yeah and that's why i got into it because as a as a professionally trained journalist, I just really like the story behind wine and and the people. Yeah, the people are just so amazing. And one little thing I found was a lot. Of, one of my favorite things is you taste a wine and you're like, "Oh my god, this yep. is fantastic!" Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and then you want to know who's making it, where it comes from. And generally speaking, great wines are made by great people. Yeah, because it's 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 a labor of love. So it, totally. it, it is completely in there. You know. Um, so, uh, by, by the way, why did you choose this wine we're drinking? Uh, because um, he's my friend. Mark Adams is my friend. Oh, okay. This wine is actually killer. Yeah, uh, I, I haven't smelled it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I haven't tasted yeah, it, but yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it smells really... Let me try it. Yeah. And you, and you should probably, nice. You should probably go through and taste it. It's really it. fresh. Yeah, very fresh. And super drinkable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. you think that today... Uh, it's so so much about wine is about drinkability today. One hundred percent. I mean, that, if there's been one good thing out of the Psalm movies, it's the reemergence of gamay and crunchiness yeah, and and, and exactly. high acid wines. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I agree. Um, just having stuff you can crush. Uh, now, um, I saw a picture of you sometimes. So, what was it like to be a, a handsome young American in Paris? And you, had, you have a ponytail. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, it was it was pretty wild to say the least. Um, also, it was difficult because when I first moved to Paris in '85, I didn't speak French, or my French was really bad. Like I remember, even it was almost impossible to order a baguette. So, um, and they were the French were extremely mean to me, I must say. Uh, but I finally learned French, and even um, last year, the um, President Macron gave me the um, the. Um, uh, 
Honneur Merite National, which is like the Légion d'Honneur. Mm. It's the blue ribbon. So um, it was quite an honor. And, and it was hard to believe coming from those days when I couldn't even order a baguette to get <laughs> a, um, an award from the president of France. That, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. That, 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 Actually, I'm, I have to give a speech in Bordeaux in a few weeks. I'm going to tell the story. Oh, d- you have to. That's, 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 so, that's so amazing. In and, French, by the way. Uh, of course. Actually, I'm feeling... <laughs> I, you know, I'm an American, obviously, um, <laughs> and so I studied French for like six years. I can't speak like, but coming here, I'm like, I'm gonna get on Duolingo. I'm gonna get an app. I have to learn French so I can yeah. connect with the winemakers. They're all, they're all amazing, but there's something I want to show them respect that I can uh, talk to them at least marginally. They always, <laughs> they always said that I needed to get a French girlfriend to improve my French. <laughs> Um, but the problem was when I did that, they just wanted to improve their yeah, English. Yeah, they wanted to improve their English. Yeah, exactly. So I know that exactly. Every time I had a European girlfriend, <laughs> she right. wanted to speak English. So, <laughs> um, it's 100% correct. So, so, so you have a storied career. Um, and uh, you mentioned earlier, um, what caused the move to Asia? You live like in Hong Kong. Where do you live? Hong Kong or where in Asia do you live pretty much full time? So um, I live in, in Hong Kong. Okay. And when I left the Wine Spectator, I was thinking to myself, well, um, where should I go? Um, I've lived in Europe since 1985, and this was 2010. Wow. And so I was thinking, you know, you only have one life. And I just thought to myself, I want to go someplace where there really aren't wine critics and where the <laughs> wine, I want to be the only guy there, you know, the clear the clear wind and the clear ocean. That's what the black wine guy's about. It's pretty obvious. Yeah, well, you got it. <laughs> You gotta come if you, exactly. if you really want to the market. If you want to do that, brother, you gotta come. To I Hong know Kong. I might have to come to Hong Kong. Yeah, right. I mean, my next move. There's like yeah. there's like five other black people. I was like, you're messing up my stick. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, so that's really why. And also, Hong Kong is a unique place for wine. If you think of wine centers in the world right now, mm-hmm. wine cities, you have uh, New York, yep. Paris, mm-hmm. London, maybe um, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And Hong Kong's there because Hong Kong has a unique tax and duty structure. There's mm-hmm. no taxes or duties on wine. You can ship a bottle today from Paso, and it arrives at my door in two days with fed- with DHL or Federal Express. Wow. And no taxes. I am moving to yeah. Hong Kong. And we have an amazing selection <laughs> of wine. It's the also the number one export market for premium Bordeaux, mm-hmm. number one export market for premium Burgundy, and the number one uh, wine market for um, wine auctions. Yep. So yep. it's a very tiny, it's small. It's like uh, Hong Kong is half the size of Napa Valley, all of Hong Kong, and we have 7.2 million people. Wow. So it's the most vertical city in the world, wow. meaning just skyscrapers. Just, yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. And then weirdly, 75% of Hong Kong are trails. So, you, oh, wow. so that makes it even more compressed with people in a tiny space because outside of the city or on, uh, in Kowloon also, you can go hiking during the day. Wow, that's it's pretty crazy place. I've never been. Um, well, you come, we can I, hang. Yeah, we're, I'm coming. We're going to yeah. hang. I, I promise you. Um, so listen, um, <clears throat> I want to ask you just a few more questions yeah. and let you go. Thank you for sure. your time. Um, so you've been here for a day or so. Um, and yesterday was older vintages. Was there something that you taste that really stood out that was memorable for you from yesterday? Um, I was really focusing more on uh, Washington wines. Okay. I was just up in Walla mm-hmm. last week. It was the first time I had been to uh, Walla Walla, and I was really impressed with uh, the soils, you know, the rocky soils of the rocks, but mm-hmm. also, you know, um, the hillsides above. And so I was just catching up on Washington gotcha. wines. I didn't 
um, taste many French wines. Okay. And I, I, I know it sounds really pretentious, but I said, you know what? We'll all go to France this summer. Yeah, no, it's so okay. I, Listen, it's, like, it's, not I, a, it's not bragging if you can no, do it. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, and, it's, and it's your gig, so, yeah. you know. And so, so then I said I wanted to taste a, um, American wines, and yeah. I think there's a lot of really exciting things going on yeah. um, in America, and, yeah. and I was really impressed with Walla and Washington in general for Syrah and uh, Grenache. Outstanding. How yourself? What, what was? Oh, um, yesterday actually there was a there's a young producer. He's not young anymore, but um, Kayana Wines. He's out of Santa Barbara. Um, oh yeah, I know those wines. Yeah, yeah. Those are yeah, those were. Good. He had like a 2005. Like these wines were amazing for somebody that most people have never heard of. Like, yeah, they were fresh, and he had like a 2010. Uh, I think it was a Roussan, and it still was zippy, had acid. You know, Roussan can be flat. Yeah. I, mean, I was really impressed with those. Those, those were ones, because I've never had them. Um, but th- that, those, those areas, or that area, Santa Barbara, and the areas around it, they, they have really big diurnal changes, mm-hmm. like hot during the day mm-hmm. and really cold at night. Mm-hmm. And so they maintain acidity. Yeah. And I think that uh, everything, like Chardonnay is crazy. It's like Chablis from there. Yeah. And that's yeah. really an area I also want to um, explore more again. Well, I used to live down there, and I, I can get I up. Greg Brewer makes incredible stuff. Yeah, I remember his yeah, stuff yeah, was his, awesome. I, I had uh, like a 12-year-old one last year he brought to a taste when I was in Paso, and it was the wine of the night. Yeah, a white wine. A white wine from Santa Barbara was a wine night at a, at a tasting. Pass, he like. made super acid-driven wines. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so just one last question here, and I'm gonna let you go. Thank yeah. you so much. Um, okay, so I'm gonna name three grapes. Okay. Okay. You have to marry one. One's gonna be your mistress. Okay. And you're gonna have to break up with one. All right. Grenache, let's see. Grenache, Syrah, Movedra. Grenache, Syrah. Who are you marrying? Who's your mistress? And who are you ditching? So Grenache, Gr- Grenache would definitely be. My um, mistress. Okay. Because <laughs> um, I find it fresh and playful. <laughs> um, and then married would be Syrah. Yeah. Um, and because I think that it's so versatile and, it, and you can always count on it. Yeah. Like even <laughs> when, <laughs> you know, even when. I got to have the same wine again. When you're not feeling right, <laughs> like, you know, it's there. Right. And then finally. The breakup, yeah, that's totally Moveja <laughs> because you know you it's it's good and like it's bad, and then you know it's that's hard that bipolar to it's, it's hard to get, yeah, exactly. yeah, to get along with <laughs> yeah. you know. So, um, but when you when you, when you get a good one, you're like, yeah. oh, oh my yeah. god, I love this. Right. <laughs> so we've all been there with um, relationships and with these wines. I think absolutely, absolutely. that's very good. By the way, I've never no one ever asked me that, so. Wow. I'm, I, I might have to go have to have a coffee now or something you know, to, <laughs> con- to, yeah, to com- <laughs> contemplate this. Yeah, have us have us a, a special cigarette. Exactly. You know, we right. are in California. It's yeah, right. it's been legal. on the right side of that, uh, that uh, uh, argument for years. Um, <laughs> so thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, my Dave. pleasure. I Thanks really again, brother. Thanks yeah. again. Tell everybody how they can uh, find out what you're doing. And you know, yes, just look for me on uh, jamesuckling.com or you've probably have been bombarded with the um, masterclass.com ad for my yeah, masterclass. Like yes. Look at it. Never exactly. hold it to the light. Exactly. <laughs> You've seen it a million times. But anyways, yeah, just just uh, Google my name and um, you'll see what I'm doing or, or follow me on, uh, on Instagram. Awesome. All right. Thanks, thanks again. Man. Yeah, thanks, brother. What's up, everybody? It's MJ, and I'm excited to introduce winemaker Frédéric Chaudière of Chateau Pesky in Ventoux, France. 
At the beginning of the 1970s, the Chaudière family chose the exceptional site of Chateau Pesky, situated in Mont-Morin, at the foot of Mont Ventoux, to make their wines. <clears throat> He's going to pronounce it better later, as well as the great beauty of the site. The family was attracted by this crossroads of altitudes, geological diversity, and cool microclimate. Uh, Frederic initially seemed destined for the world of culture, leaving at home at 16 to follow a literary study course focused on history and philosophy between Paris and Rome. He returned to the family vineyard in 2003, and what was supposed to be a brief stay turned into the birth of a sincere passion. The development of the family vineyards is now in the capable hands of Frederic and his brother Alexander. Together, they bring their own expertise and experience while staying loyal to the values passed down by their elders. Welcome, Fred. Thank you very much. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. We, we don't have a lot of time today, but so we're going to jump right into it. So let's talk about um, the beautiful place your family decided to begin making wine. Well, we, we're extremely blessed to be in the southeast of the Rhone Valley in an, in an area called Ventoux, uh, which takes its name from a mountain, a mountain that is about 1,912 meters high, which is about 6,500 feet. So, Thank you for you all um, our Americans out there. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, now I'm, I'm, I'm used to the conversion. I, uh, it's it's yeah, kind of getting better. During the seminar, I was like, oh, she asked the wrong question. I'm like... She asked him what the temperatures was. I was like, he only eats Celsius. Don't, don't, don't ask me Fahrenheit, though. <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. I'm, I can't do that. I, I, I do right away. But anyway, yeah, so it's a very high... Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're basically at the crossroad between the end of the Alpine world and the beginning of the Mediterranean world. Oh, wow. So a lot of sun, you know, very warm days, uh, but, but also very cool nights. We, we have the, com the combination of the altitude and the cool air currents coming down from the mountain. So, you know, great cooler microclimate. Yeah. So, like... Like, uh, we, you brought this awesome yeah. map. So, like, where would the... Uh well, it's very, very easy to, to find, you know, the, the Ventoux because it's kind of standing out. You right. know? And, and when you come to the area, you know, one of the nicknames is the place is the Giant of Provence because you see it from basic, basically everywhere you stand. Wow. And we're, we're very much kind of half an hour east of Chateauneuf-du-Pape, uh, 35 minutes east of Avignon, our local city. And, um, yeah, it's... Uh, we're basically, you know, most of the interesting things in the Southern Rhone happens on the last slopes of both mountains mm -hmm. on, on both sides. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's uh, we have a kind of amphitheater and the, the cool air comes down at night. Very so. cool. And so, um, you know, you, you, uh, you were on a panel for a seminar about this appellation, um, which uh, it's uh, called the rising star of the Rhone Valley. Talk yeah. about that. I think I think we don't want to be shy anymore about the Ventura. So you know we we we, we yeah. might we might as well go for it. Yeah. Now we we have we have that great cooler climate. Of course, we have lots of limestone, uh, pockets of sands, pockets of uh, clay that are also very very interesting to make wine with. But we also have more and more a great community of winemakers, mm -hmm. and this is really helping us. You know, we, there was five of us. Uh, today, um, showing our wines, but we also at the tasting showing even even more wines. So you can have like twelve or thirteen different wineries tasted t today at, at Paso, and this is very exciting. But there's even more, of course, to discover once you once you're there. You know, it's a, there's a, there's an amazing dynamic, and again, you know, we're we're blessed to have this cooler climate in a, in a moment when with climate change it's more and more difficult mm -hmm. to keep 
elegance and balance and freshness in the wines. Mm -hmm. And so, um, what did your parents, what did your father do before you guys, you said Atlanta in the 70s, so did he come from a different industry and decide to make wine? Well, so my, my grandparents were coming from Orange, which is as far as 35 minutes. Okay. You know? <laughs> but, but for him at the time, there was a moment where people wouldn't move that much. Yep. He, he was a serious change you know, yep. from moving to Orange to the mountain. <laughs> and uh, and uh, that was like... Uh, two years before the AOC was created, so it was also a little bit of a bold mood. Mm. And and then when my parents took over, they people thought that they were really crazy to kind of move out from kind of volume wine and really do terroir selections mm -hmm. and uh, try to age the wines and show the the, the great potential. And um, but starting in the '90s and accelerating in the 2000, and which is when we took over with my brother mm -hmm. Alex, mm -hmm. um, we we've seen uh, you know again, more and more people starting to believe in the great terroir of Ventoux, and so here we are now. Yeah, that's uh, amazing. And also, this is a very special. Uh, it's like almost hallowed ground. Like a, a UNESCO has two type of. Talk about the biodiversity UNESCO. MG, you're right. I should have probably started with no, that when no, you told listen, me about listen, where listen, we come from. This is how we kick it. This it's is fine. <laughs> this is exactly what defines us. In fact. It's um, we the, the the AOC is nestled among two regional parks, two natural parks, wow, and two biosphere reserves of UNESCO. So indeed, it's it's a relatively large area, but very little of it is actually planted in vines because we have so many forests, and um, there, there are also a lot of cherry trees. Um, other there's another AOC for muscats, but muscats that you you know table grapes yep. that you eat. And so we have three different AOCs kind of combining together. We also have almond trees, truffle, and indeed, you know, biodiversity is so protected around us. We have a thousand four hundred different varieties of butterfly. I didn't I mean, even I don't know. know if I didn't you even know there was. Imagine that. I didn't know, know there was like seven different kind of butterflies. Well, we don't get, don't like, ask me we to get, recognize we get all of them. Butterflies no. and those little things are kind of moss, the little yellow ones around where we live. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And then also this place. Um, uh, I picked up in the seminar that a lot of the tour de, a part of the Tour de France yes. goes through there. I yeah. mean, it's this is another thing actually, and and for a long time our mountain was more known by cyclists than there were by wine lovers. Yeah. Fortunately, there's a lot of wine lovers among cyclists, <laughs> so you know it's spreading the news. But it, it is a kind of mythical stage of the Tour de France. And wow. um, last year, um, in in summer 21, it was probably the the craziest one they did because basically what's what's crazy about that mountain is that it doesn't stop going up <laughs> so you know when you cycle it up it, it, it is a nightmare or I mean uh, yeah that's uh, when they're off the saddle and they rock it back and forth exactly. right yeah, yeah but yeah. they never have a moment of break oh. but the the stage last year not only they did it once they did it twice in oh. the same single oh. stage so I mean I'm I, I'm leaving there but I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that kind of stuff. Really. So <laughs> it's it's yeah. a little bit too crazy. Well, I, I got to tell you, you guys played that video, and I got goosebumps. I saw it. I'm like, you know what? Black wine guy is going to uh, Von Tuf. That's well, happening. We're, we're super you know, happy yeah, to yeah, welcome yeah, you. We're, we're bringing, we're bringing the crew. We're, you know, um, and so um, let's talk a little bit about the wines you're making. Um, you know, I found your wines through Jeb. Um, you know, and I, you know, it was like you you have a range of wines what's the price range on your wines but i bought i remember i got like one of your wines was like 17 dollars. he gave it like 94 points i was like let me buy a case of this shit <laughs> yeah <we've, laughs> we we do and we we are still very well known for value in the yep. one two across the board yeah. but 
um, I would say the the core of our production, which is the the range called Terraces, yep. is usually retailing around seventeen dollars. Indeed, yep. uh, we have um, a red, a white, and a rosé in the in that range. The red is mostly Grenache, but it's Grenache and Syrah blends. Mm-hmm. Then we have a second layer, which is the quintessence layer, with a red and a white. Mostly, we just released a, a rosé, so a red that is more on the Syrah side and a white that is more on the Roussan side. And then we have three single vineyards. One white that is mostly on claret, and and three reds on on different kinds of uh, soil. So might it be sand, um, kind of a limestone gravel or a clay and limestone uh, type of soil. Wow! And so, um, what are you most proud of as a winemaker? Huh? You mean uh, it's well? It's a little bit difficult for me because now I'm I have. Two caps, you know. Yeah, what's what's the other cap? president of the AOC and and yeah. and a winemaker. You're the at president Pesquet. of AOC. So what what are your responsibilities there? Like, I mean, it's um, I I guess you you make whatever you want out of it. They, <laughs> they, they, people are just trusting you to to make things better. Uh, like, he's, but he's but handsome. He has a French accent. <laughs> go 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 that, that go helps. go sell the wine. <laughs> exactly. That's uh, probably what they thought. But but to answer your first question, I think my yeah my, my biggest pride is to see that you know this community is is building and and that there's really the raising awareness of mm-hmm. uh, among us winemakers of the the great ones we can make, but also of spreading it. Yeah. Um, and at Pesquier, I guess um, you know we're, we're third generation with my brother Alex, so mm. the the fact that we we feel our parents are, are happy to the to see the you know the the path we've we've yeah. been going to and the the little bit of distance we've we've done and uh, the quality of the wines is probably the best reward we can have. Wow! Yeah, I was sitting with three winemakers, go figure, at, uh, at hospice, and everybody was like, we were like, damn, we were just like, damn. I went and looked. I was like, my buddy, I was like, I was like, I was like, well, you had an older one. I was like, I said, well, that one's fit even at fit, at fifty five bucks. Like I found fifty bucks. I gotta get some of that. But then the base cuvee, I was like, dude, this base cuvee just got ninety two points. He's like, when I get back, I'm going to buy five cases. Like, this is going to be his new house wine. Like, it's that good. Um, so inside of that, what's um, a memorable bottle that from your estate that you've had? Like, it could be that your grandfather made or your father. Like, what's a memorable bottle that you've had from your estate? I think um, it was it was about eight years ago now, seven or eight years ago. And um, we, we opened one of my father's first vintages, which was uh, Quintessence 1990. Mm-hmm. So the bottle was already... 23, 24 years old, and um, you know we, we we were starting already, not being too shy about the quality of our wines. But seeing that one of his first vintages, one of the first that he has really crafted for to age, mm-hmm. having aged so so beautifully, mm. was uh, yeah, it was a very strong bonding moment, but also uh, a moment like clarifying that. You know, we we were really in the right like, place. Like like exactly like he that what was, was a bold move. It's always a bold move when you're an early adopter, right? Yeah. So, um, so one more question for you before I let you go. I know you're a busy man, Mr. President of the AMC. Oh come on, Fred. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, Fred. So listen, three grapes, right? I'm gonna give you three grapes. Hmm. One you're gonna marry. One's gonna be your mistress. Oh my and god. One you got to ditch. All right. So. That's super difficult. It is. Wait till I can. Can you the ditch your mistress? How yeah, does it work? Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a pleasure. Grenache, Syrah, Movedra. Who are you marrying? Oh Who's your mistress? And who are you ditching? How do I do that? <laughs> they and we usually like I know put you them that's all why together. You know. <laughs> okay, that's that's super hard. Um, I'm gonna have so I, as I really have to ditch one. Yep. For now, but 
let me a couple of decades and I will change my mind, of course. Yeah, yeah. It will probably be more Vedre. Okay. Because right now we we such a cool climate that we've planted a little bit. Yeah. And in, in some of the earlier ripening area, we can actually pr- play with it, but it's a little bit early. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's going to be hard to choose a wife and a mistress. Like they, they, they kind of go hand they're, in they're, hand. They're, 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 they get along very, pretty well. French they, know, they get along <laughs> pretty well. It's an you odd know, situation. You notice how I frame the question I've t- to, to yeah. fit to the culture? <laughs> um, yeah, that's... <laughs> Ménage à trois, right? So <laughs> something like that. Yeah, okay. I suppose. I suppose we have to get there. Um, I mean, the wife will have to be Grenache. Yeah. But yeah. but Syrah is such an amazing mistress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Impossible to let any of them go, you know. Well, Fred, thank you so much for coming, uh, t- talking about your AOC, uh, your wines, and just a little bit about your life and um, playing along. Um, tell people how they can. Um, Oh, uh, yeah. Tell people how they can be a part of what you're doing, where they can find uh, Pesky and also the AOC, where, where, they sh- where they should go. Well, come and visit us in the south of France, in the south of the Rhone Valley. Uh, you can easily take a train from Paris. We're only two and a half hours away oh, from Avignon we're with going, the fast train. We're going Super easy. Um, Brian's like, I want to come. <laughs> no, this, is, this is an absolutely beautiful place, and uh, we'll, we'll be welcoming you with open arms, so we're, we're waiting for you there. Fantastic. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, MJ, and I'm back here with another round of interviews. My guest right now is Dave Miner of Miner Family Wines in Napa, California. After spending many years working in the software industry, Dave embarked on his journey into winemaking by moving to Napa in 1993 to help his uncle and Oracle co-founder run his winery, his Oakville Ranch Vineyards. He worked at Oakville Ranch for five years before deciding with his wife, Emily, to establish Minor Family Winery in the eastern hills of Oak Hill in Napa Valley in 1996. Minor Family makes traditional Napa-style wines, such as Cabernet Sauvignon and Chardonnay, but has become well-known for its production of Viognier. Dave Minor, who had a love of Condru, the classic representation of Viognier in the Northern Rhone, at first, stumbled upon the varietal's potential to thrive through a happy accident, but it soon became his most popular wine. Today, Viognier represents his largest production wine, which is unusual in the Cabernet and Chardonnay-focused world of Napa Valley. Welcome, Dave. Thank you very much, MJ. That is really unusual. <laughs> it is, and it was never anything I had planned out at all. It's just, you know, we opened a tasting room. I didn't have enough wine to, like, stay open every day. And this guy showed up one day and said, hey, do you want to buy some Viognier? I got a bunch. I'm like... Yeah, and I needed something to like be able to pour in the tasting room every day, and you know I think we made 200 cases the first year and sold it out in like three months. Wow. So I'm like, I think there's a future here, <laughs> even though it's still sometimes problematic to get people to pronounce Viognier. Yeah, you know, and Viognagri ra. <laughs> give me that Viognier yeah, yeah, stuff, yeah. you know. Vio. <laughs> But yeah, that was, you know, kind of my first entree into Rhone wines, producing Rhone wines. And uh, we started coming to Paso probably 20 years ago for this event. And we met a bunch of French winemakers here. Mm-hmm. Then we just became really good friends. So we started visiting them. They'd come visit us. And we, we did a joint project with Francois Villard for a number of years called La Diligence. And uh, just kept going. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I wish the American public would buy more Rhone varietal wines, but you know, Cabernet helps pay my bills. Yeah, and you make a you make a 
beautiful Cabernet. I mean, you know, the Bordeaux <laughs> wines are great, and I love them. I love making them, and but you know, this event and these wines are super fun, and they're it's more of a labor of love than anything. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I agree with you. I always tell people um, the 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 Rhone. And Rhone varietals are so still underrated. There's like, even when they've been like, they're still under the radar. Like uh, objectively, um, if you have, you can have a Rhone wine. Like the like mostly like a Jacques, almost Jacques Perrin might be two eighty on release from the wine or something. Yeah, that say and get ninety nine hundred points. That same wine from Burgundy, which never gets hundred points, or or Bordeaux, <laughs> is three times the price. Right. And, and even in Napa, it's the same thing, you know. I mean, all these yep. cult Napa yeah, cabs yeah. are eight, nine hundred bucks a bottle now. It's like, who's buying that? I don't right, know. Right, right. I mean, so. none of my friends. <laughs> 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 well, you must have some. You, you said your your uh, your uncle was a co-founder of Oracle. You must have some friends who could afford to buy a nine dollar bottle. <laughs> well, unfortunately, he passed away in oh, like ninety four. So wow. But even he, I mean, he bought you know Bordeaux and he bought some expensive wines, but. If you were alive today, you would look at this it, stuff it and go. It's crazy, right? Yeah, I mean, when we were first started Oakville Ranch, we were selling wines for $35, 40 bucks for cab, which at that time in the late 80s, early 90s in Napa, yeah. that was high. That's high, yep. You know, now it's you, you can't buy glass for 40 bucks a case, you know? <laughs> I mean, like. Yeah, so talk about that because you, I mean, objectively, 1996, that's when I got out of law school. That's a long time ago. You've you've been there to see a lot of change in the valley. Yeah, what's it been like? I mean, there's been a lot of great innovation, and there's and I love seeing new wineries come in, and I love seeing land being developed, and I you know all of those things. And there's been a lot of progress in trellising systems and planting and things like that. But at the same time, there's a lot of corporatization going on now, which yeah. to me is a little depressing. And you know, there's a lot of uh, I don't know, smoke and mirrors kind of stuff going on where it's it's more about marketing oh, something yeah. for yep. 800 yep. bucks a yep. bottle yep. that isn't really better necessarily than in stuff you could buy for 70. Yeah, no, I understand. Um, I think, uh, and it's interesting because uh, from what I've seen and heard, a lot of it's driven by tech because all that money coming out of, you know, so and so people are like, well, I was successful at this, now I'm going to make a wine and I'm going to charge $600 a bottle. I've never yeah, made I mean, before. Yeah. And the thing is, those people generally are not present. They're kind of absentee owners, yep. so they hire the right, you know, vineyard manager. Yep. Yep. They hire the right winemaker, but they're not in the dirt. Right. You know, right. they're not out there walking they're the not vineyard. They're not on their own. They just yeah. own a winery. Right. Yeah. And it's it's a bit of an ego thing, and yeah. Yeah. I'm you know it's their prerogative to do that. They've right. got a lot of money to do whatever you want, but that's not what we do. I mean, we're we're there. We're present. We're getting dirty and making good wine. Right. So. So let's um, back up. So the love of Condru, did that come because you got a good deal on some vineyard grapes and you started studying it, or, or, or did you already enjoy it? Well, Condru? I already enjoyed Condru, yeah. and, but, you know, nobody in Napa is growing Viognier. No, I know. So. That's what I'm saying. Like, because it's, it's, you, you can get $10,000 a ton for Cabernet. Well, <laughs> exactly. And the guy that we were buying grapes from back then used to sell some grapes to Phelps, and Gary Brookman, who's been my winemaker for the last 25 years with me, um, had worked at Phelps, so he knew this guy, John Simpson, and he just showed up because he knew Gary had just started with me, and he, you know, and he didn't even really want to charge me for the first year. He's like, if you like it, you can buy some next year. Hmm. I'm like, well, man, we can, you know, 
we can pay you. You're a farmer, you know. <laughs> but he was one of those guys. He was an old crazy guy, yeah. and he did stuff because he loved doing it, yeah. not because he made money at it. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. he had already sold so much land. He was he had five Cadillacs. You know, like one he drove in the vineyard, and you know, one he kept clean, yeah. and you know, yeah. he didn't care. Yeah. And that's kind of what you have to have. You have to have guys that are nutty enough to not do something for economic reasons. Yeah, they're doing it to to make something great. Yeah, yeah. So. And I think that's one of the, uh, also, I love what you said, that's also one of the challenges um, because of the, the cost of grapes and the cost of land. Um, you know, objectively, I'm sure you'd like to hold back wines. Like, you can't do what Vegas Cecile does. You can't hold back your wines, or, or Castello again. You can't hold back wines 10 years until they're you, ready to drink. You need some cash you need flow. Cash flow right? <laughs> I mean, we've done that traditionally with our Bordeaux blend. It's called the Oracle. Mm-hmm. And we've held that back a couple of years in bottle just to give it some bottle age so that it's, you know, more approachable when it comes out. Right. Because um, it's a bigger wine. But, you know, the rest of the wines, you have to have the, the cash flow. And stuff like Viognier is great because the grapes are inexpensive. I don't use any oak on my Viognier. Mm-hmm. So I save costs there. And you know it's something you can you can sell as soon as you bottle it, really. Yeah. Um, and so it, it generates revenue, and you need that. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it's not a money-making game, but you need to keep the lights yeah, on. Yeah, it's the wine business. You know, it's not you know, but things you got to keep the lights on, so you have to uh, keep uh, keep that cash coming. Um, so, what are you most proud of as a winemaker? Uh, wow, that's a hard question. Um, I mean, I'm thinking I'm more proud of the organization that mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. and the quality of the people that I have. And we've kept people, you know, I mean, most of my seller guys have been there 20 years plus. Mm. Wow. Um, Gary Brookman, who's been my winemaker for the last 25 years, is retiring right now after 25 years. He's 70 years old. So, wow. I mean, we're more of a family organization and people have come and gone, but they learn a lot because... We make more varietals than most wineries in Napa. I mean, we make Burgundy varietals, Bordeaux varietals, Rhone varietals. We make Sangiovese. We make Rosés. So the people that have come through, even if they end up leaving, learned a lot with us, and they kind of carry on what they learned to new new places. So, you know, passing that kind of tradition along, to mm-hmm. me, is, like, really cool and important. And... You know, the wines that we make, I think, are very authentic, and they're very true to the varietal, and they're true to where they come from. Mm-hmm. And and so those are the things that kind of give me great satisfaction. Yeah. And you, t- you talked about, like, how many, you make a lot of different varietals. What, like, is there, like, a memorable bottle? Like, well, obviously, your, your Viognier is, like, your flagship, but is there, is there something that you just think really represents... Uh, minor in, like, like in, in, your, in, in, all, in all the wines you make. I mean, honestly, the Oracle, the Bordeaux blend is our flagship wine. Mm-hmm. Viognier was, you know, kind of a stumbled into it sort yeah. of a thing. But I also like to think that we make some of the best California Viognier. It's, I think it's very representative of the varietal, and it's also very affordable. So I think the first vintage was $20 retail, and I think it's only 28 now. Oh, good for you. That's, you know, 20 some years later. That's incredible. <laughs> Because it's it's a wine that you should just enjoy, you know, and wow. you know, and now we're using screw caps on it too. So unscrew it yeah. and drink it, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, so, uh, what has impressed you? Uh, you taste anything that's really impressed you uh, 
uh, yesterday during the, the grand taste or anything? Yes. I mean, I had a, I had a lot of really good wines <laughs> yesterday, and I have a lot of friends from France here, yeah. so I love all of their wines. Uh, you know, Francois Villard, Yves Couleron, Pierre Gaillard, uh, all make unbelievable wines. Um, I got to taste a whole bunch of old mags of uh, Chateauneuf, mm. that, like some 03 Marcou that was uh, from one of the importers. Mm-hmm. Epically good wines. Mm. And then I spent probably 20 minutes at the Tablas Creek table tasting through all of their wines. Yeah. I mean, I'm in the wine business, but I'm in their wine club. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I get their wines. <laughs> These guys are are the real deal for Rhone varietals in the U.S. Yeah. I mean, they're the source. I mean, I have Roussan in my front yard in uh, Angwin, uh-huh. and I got it. I got the Budwood from them. I wow. mean, those guys are the, the guys. Yeah. And he was pouring 01 Roussan, 2010 Pickpool. Wow. I mean, stuff that has, like, remarkable ageability for white wines in California. So, I mean, those wines to me are like the pinnacle of what Rhone can be in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, amazing. I mean, it makes sense. Who who, who was a collaboration between? It makes sense that they they were going to come in and just do it right. Yeah, I mean, that's (laughs) that's a good pedigree. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So... Uh, one last question for you before I let you go. Um, so, um, three grapes, all right, and you got to choose. You're, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna marry one. You get to cheat on your, the one. You get to cheat with one, and you got to ditch one. Grenache, Syrah, Movedra. Who you marry? Who you sleeping with? Who you ditching? <clears throat> As we have a bottle of your GSM blitter. <laughs> Yeah, and that's why I picked those three grapes. Everybody. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I'm gonna marry Grenache. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna cheat with Syrah, <laughs> and I guess I, I'm gonna have to ditch Mouvedre. <laughs> Not that I don't love Mouvedre, <laughs> but to me, uh, this is a great analogy because for me, drinking wine is like being able to make love to exactly. like a lot of different Ex- people exactly. and exactly. not get in trouble. Like, exactly, exactly. It's like the only place where you can just like, you know, like like I'll tap this on a regular basis, but oh, I'm coming over here for some yeah. for some V&A, right? I want some variety. Fat ass. Mm, you know, you know, so. I mean, that's the I use that analogy all the time, so that's like a great a great question. Yeah. So and I I at at this auction uh Five six years ago, I bought a lot where I got to do a blend with my friend Anne Charlotte from oh, we love Anne Domaine Charlotte. de Fond de Loup. Oh, we love so Anne in Charlotte. my glass is the blend that I made with Anne Charlotte. Ooh, so that's and, in uh, my glass. I, you got my GSM blend. Oh, you got. Oh, he's got the. It's so <laughs> you should you should try that. I don't have any you know cooties I, I'm, right I'm now. Triple. I'm triple vaxxed, boosted. I drink wine every day, which is supposed to help, and also smoke weed every day. I'm pretty much. There you go. Proof. I know you're all you're all vitamined up. But this was a, a fun thing to do. Aunt Charlotte brought all these lots to Napa, and we sat down and did the blend. And I just kept saying, "More Grenache, more Grenache, more Grenache." I mean, and this has, I think, Mouved, Cinso, uh, Cunois, maybe. And but I don't even think there's any Syrah in this. That's one. delicious. Just um, good acid, but. All that bright fruit, you know, you got your raspberries. And it's your it's fresh oh, it's and it's fresh. elegant yeah, 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 and, exactly. it, and it's feminine, you yeah, know. I mean, it, it's yeah, got exactly. that, lo- you know. Yeah. It's, it's You could tell there was a French woman involved. You know, they just have that, oh, they just, the accent. Just, <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> May we. <laughs>
So, um, Dave, thank you so much. Tell people Thanks where they can find doing. you, how they can be a part of what you're doing. Yeah, we're in Oakville in Napa, so right in the heart of uh, Cabernet land. Um, we're right on the Silverado Trail, just north of the Oakville Crossroad. Mm-hmm. And the winery's right on the trail, so it's easy, easy access. Um, and uh, Is it Minor Family Vineyard? Minor Family mm-hmm. Winery. Okay. And, uh, you, know, we're, you know, Oakville Ranch is my, my uncle's vineyard, and, okay. and they're also still making some great wines. They're right up above us on the hill. So, uh, so yeah, we've been there since 1996. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, thanks, man. Appreciate Thank you coming through. Thank you very much. And uh, enjoy the rest of the festival. You too. All right, cool. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, MJ, and we have just another special guest. I, I'm so excited. I'm really... <laughs> I say that every time I start a podcast, but like when when I t- when you hear this story, you'll see why I'm so freaking excited. I'm here with uh, Michael Segway of Kaena. Did I say it right? Kaena. Kaena <laughs> Wines. Um, and uh, yo, let's t- first of all um, talk about that. Sounds uh, you look and it says on the back Mahalo. So the, and you're dressed in a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. And uh, so like, uh, what what's going on here? <laughs> so. Um, Born and raised in Honolulu, par Hawaiian, so kind of is my given Hawaiian name by my uh, great-grandmother who raised me, and so really special homage back, at, and I means proud, and uh, mm. so uh, really trying to honor my Hawaiian heritage, um, but my love of wine, and um, just to make wines for the foods I grew up with, and uh, so... Uh, I'm super stoked. I'm exactly what I never knew I wanted to be. And, uh, but my great grandmother kind of led me on. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's awesome. Um, so he's going to, I'm going to tell you the story, but then we're going to unpack it. Okay. So, uh, Mike, I, uh, you, if you listen to the podcast, which you do, cause you're listening now, <laughs> you know, that Santa Barbara County, like the city, like, why is it like central, central coast is like my wine home. I lived in Santa Barbara, uh, proper. Um, and I used to manage i was i was a psalm before it was like a thing and you had to have pieces of paper and uh and um (laughs) before the movie (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i was the wine buyer manager of a place called the montecito wine bistro which was you know it was an epic place back in the day until it went out of business um and uh michael came in and it was like it was it was small like i was me in the wine store like i like you know I, i i had like one day off and like no one was in the wine store that's just what it was but but you know I, I couldn't hire him. He came in and he was young. He was twenty five. Yeah, it was uh, twenty six. Twenty six. Yeah, twenty six. Nineteen ninety nine. Yes, it was nineteen ninety nine. And I had just started. Yeah. So he comes in and uh, I was like, "Dude, I, you're cool. But I, I don't have a job for you." Um, and so, sliding doors. Best thing that ever happened to him because, um, what'd you do? Basically, that was uh, I came and I. Uh, got a job at Beckman Vineyards, and that was uh, my harvest uh, dream job. And I'm getting hired on full time, and that was the kind of the rest is history at that point. I just worked my butt off and worked my way to the top for them, and started my own brand in 2001 when I became assistant winemaker. Yeah, and what was so cool was like he came in like, like he came in after harvest, and he was ripped. You want to lose weight? They should have harvest boot camp. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, it was awesome. Like all. I remember my my interview when I had come down in the summer of 99 and found Beckman and like they needed help so I Steve Beckman said well I'd like to meet you so I drove called and sick to work the next day I was actually selling water uh, for Nestle and Perrier and uh, it was Joey Tenzi was assistant winemaker who who looked like straight out of the movie Heather's back then he had that little kind of like dark thing going on yeah yeah uh, and uh, you know basically it, it, 
asked, they were asking me if I was allergic to bees. I said, no. Were you afraid of heights? No. My father was a roofer. I grew up on a roof. And they sized me up. They're like, all right, you look like you can handle the, the hard labor. <laughs> and I'm like, hell yeah. This is, and my first day on the job was like three days for football. I'm like, oh, this is badass. Like, I can run over here, scrub this tank, run over here. And I guess I got the ultimate workout. I dropped 25 pounds. Yeah, no, because then he came back in. Because we you know, we used these wine dinners, and he came back in, and 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 then we're gonna get into this. And he brought a bottle of Beckman Garage. Yep. Um, so, the, you know, I have listeners who are at all levels of their wine journey. Um, tell them a little bit about who Steve Beckman is and, and how, what it was like to learn under him. It was it was great because um, basically um, the Beckman Tom Beckman the dad bought. Um, Priestman Mountain Vineyard after uh, Robert Haas passed on the property because mm. he never thought he could ripen the Morvedra there, which is kind of the flagship for them. Yep. Yeah, and so uh, Stoltman, they had already been buying um, grapes from Stoltman in Ballard Canyon, and so it was just, we were really stoked because uh, we were kind of first growth for the best Grenache kind of coming out of the valley, and they had all the new clones from France that Tobas Creek was selling them, and um, it was just, um, Capronc was my, like, my first love, and Grenache was like, oh, my God, like, all oh, this is such a sexy varietal. And uh, it kind of replaced that for me uh, for Cap. I still love Capron, but uh, <laughs> I found a way to uh, a Grenache was just captured my heart. Yeah. Yeah. And so you said so you worked there and uh, got all the way up to assistant winemaker. How long did that take? So I, uh, I, I was assistant winemaker within two years. OK. And uh, that's when I started uh, my brand, Kaena. And then uh, left them in 05 and 06 to go to Fest Parker as a winemaker there. So basically went from a 15,000-case winery to a 150,000-case winery. Wow. Um, I was the only one without a degree. and uh, But it was cool. Like, I learned so much. And I learned all the all the killer technology, all the best barrels. But how to manage on that level. And, you know, but I always took that small approach. And after two years, I also learned that I don't want to make wine on this scale anymore either. <laughs> right. And then, yeah. So then the, Steve Beckman invited me back to become head winemaker wow. in 2007. So I was a head winemaker at Beckman's from 2007 to 2014. Okay. And so you launched your brand. What year did you launch it again? 2001. 2001. Yeah. And um, what's your total case production right now? Right now, I'm somewhere between about five to 6,000 kind of annually. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's definitely gone, gotten, gotten up there. Um, and but all the between all that you know that five thousand six thousand it's yeah two hundred cases of this you know right, I, was, cases I, was of that. Say, I would say so uh, you're 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 a Grenache centric producer yeah I absolutely <laughs> am head over heels for that grape and uh, you know I think being raised with my great grandma my grandmother gave me the patience and the respect the honor of that matriarchal <laughs> figure which in my opinion is Grenache and uh, it's just um, it's a, it's the hot the hardest grape to grow and make, but it's gives re, it's the most rewarding. Like, in in my, I make twenty six different varietals, and by far it's my favorite. You make twenty six different varietals, or or <coughs> vineyard uh, uh, varietals actually between wow. my client work that I do. Oh, okay, and, yeah, yes, so, yes, but, yes, yes, yes. But yeah. I, I do do about nine different Grenaches. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, let's talk about like I have in my glass right now. I have your. Uh, 2021 Grenache Rosé. Uh, talk a little bit about like where's the fruit from this from and what what's the the kind of the philosophy? Because this is this is beautiful. It's fresh. It's so, like summer in a fucking bottle. Yeah, I mean like this is what's so awesome is this is like ground zero for me. Like Steve Backman sent me to uh, Hospice to Run in 2000. Wow. 
and I've been here ever since. And this wine, this this event has shaped my wine making more than anything else. And so for me, it's like coming to like go see like Coachella or Lollapalooza and seeing all your favorite bands. Yeah, I love and it. And like all and the the rock stars, and you go and hang out with them. Yeah. You taste to hear their music. Yeah. You taste their wine. Yeah. And then you you just party and yeah. like all. But you can you find that that essence. So like. I like to go park myself in front of um, uh, Sandra, who's the rep from Tavel. Yeah, and there's, yeah. Yeah, taste through all the different, and then you have all the the bandol. So I really focus on trying to create something that's a my love of France and like yeah. the, the south of France for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so it's uh, a Grenache Gris, Grenache Blanc, uh, Grenache Noir, a little bit of Syrah. Um, wow, and and this rosé. Yeah. God damn. So uh, it's uh, all from uh, limestone sources. Okay. Uh, so you can kind of keep that authenticity to, um, for my want to embody like bandol or something like that, and you have that very similar uh, uh, element. I think the all, all uh, the all pick to make rosé. So low low sugar, high acid. Mm-hmm. Um, the red grapes are uh, overnighted on the skins. They get color and flesh, and then pressed the next uh, morning. The Grenache Blanc gets uh, pressed directly to the tank. But I think the the, the 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 most killer thing, and I'm a wannabe blues musician, okay. guitarist, and so it's like, oh, okay, what's that effect pedal that he's using? Or okay, yeah, see, Ray Vaughan saw Jimi Hendrix playing a Fender Strat, like, oh, he got that, and that's the sound that you need. So they isolated the native yeast of uh, uh, Provence, France. Okay. Um, so it's in 2005. And I've been using it ever since. It just gives that authenticity mm-hmm. back to it. Mm-hmm. Like this is to me, it's real rosé, right? It's not like I'm making a rosé because I have a skew because soccer moms like rosé. This is like real, legit rosé. And you said something you like you wanted to create wines for the foods that you grew up with. So like, like Hawaiian culture, like um, I you know a lot of pork. Uh, what, what would like uh, what would you pair like this rose? What like what would you? What uh, grandma's was making right, a dish. the first you thing you get out of the out of the your yeah Sandy Beach was my favorite body surfing beach and. the... <laughs> As soon as you go out of the water, what are you craving? You're craving, I want to get a poke bowl. Mm, so, like, yeah. fresh ahi poke. Fuck, wow, yeah. You got that, a little <laughs> bit of rice. and um, But I think uh, overall, too, with all the fresh fishes of Hawaii, and um, with the addition of hospice around, I think my main, um, I grew up next to the original Roy. So, Roy Yamaguchi put Hawaiian regional cuisine on the map. And uh, oh. my entire senior class of Kaiser 91 practically worked for him. And so, it was his fusion I'm like, you know, we have the most beautiful flavors, but what Hawaii had always been was like, oh, we have one Italian chef, we have a French chef, mm-hmm. we have this. So they, and and the local foods were kind of looked down upon. Right. But he right. went to the mainland, came back with his French method, and blew everybody's doors off. Right. And uh, I get goosebumps when I, when uh, I talk he literally, about it. He yeah. literally has goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> Chicken skin, that's uh, how I say it. <laughs> um, and so for me, that was like, what I wanted to create my wines for, because when you have all that Asian flavor, mm-hmm. you can have a lot of salt um, uh, and spiciness. So you have to have wines that have a really well balanced with fruit and acid to really uh, pair with those wines. Yeah. And then um, I just poured myself a little, little tasty, tasty your 2019 Reserve Grenache. It's a single vineyard. Um, let me hit you up there. Yeah. Thank you. So uh, Tier Alta uh, is the majority of what's in the. Uh, the rosé, I just uh, keep it ambiguous so I can work around, yep. play some different things. But it's right next to, um, it's in Ballard Canyon, right next to uh, Priestman, uh, where I you know, grew up making yep. wines. Mm-hmm. And 
Uh, it's such a special place, all limestone. This is the very, very top of the vineyard, originally planted with uh, Tablasse, the original uh, Grenache clone that came in from, from uh, and which Robert Haas changed right. Grenache for us in this yeah, country. Yeah, and so yeah. it's a, a, a third stem inclusion. We'll actually de-stem it and then catch all the best looking stems and put about a third of them back in on uh, uh, all native yeast and 22 months and aging and just try to express the, the beauty that it um, comes out of this vineyard. Yeah, and so I mean, they're just wine is a small world because you know, like I, 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 I just think I remember you, and then uh, like two years ago, yeah, when the pandemic, twenty twenty, uh, hospice uh, asked me to do a, a takeover on Grenache Day, and that's when I met Sonia Magdevsky, and 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 it was with her and 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 Mark Adams, and I and I asked her, I was like, how'd you get into Grenache? She said. Uh, uh, Mikael, I was like, I was, I was like Breckman, he worked at Breckman. I was like, I, I couldn't give that kid a job. That's the best thing that ever happened to you. You'd been like stocking shelves and like having to deal with Bill. I, I know, I know, right? <laughs> or I would have had to work for uh, Doug Mardrum. No, I'm I kidding. Know, I I love you, Doug. Um, but uh, yeah, no, um, I my life is so blessed. Like all uh, my relationship with my great grandmother, and she passed away in '89. Mm. She was the matriarch of the family. And so if you ever seen the movie Moana, mm-hmm. like that was my relationship with my great grandmother. She would come to me in dreams and thought, and she just laid out that path of fate and helped. She gave me inspiration for my label. And just, um, I'm just very, very stoked that, uh, I was able to find what I was supposed to do. Um, you have, I, I'm, you want some of this trust. You're going to have the tasty taste. This is so good. And I, and it was funny. I, I actually, before you came on, I, I, I somehow I twisted James Suckling's uh, arm to come on, and I asked him what what you know what what he uh, had he what he tasted. I said it was stand out, and he and then he asked me the same question. I was like, Cayenne uh, uh, wines. I said, I said, you know, I you had like you had oh five. What how yeah yeah I went all the way back to oh two thousand four, which is the first okay, vintage yeah, I had of this. And, and the uh, wines, people, fresh, clean, amazing, vibrant. Um, I need you guys. Stop all this sh- talking shit. This is a fifteen point three Grenache. The other, I mean, it, it's how it's it's in the skill of the winemaker. These 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 this grape loves heat. It was two thousand four. I the two thousand six. You I'm like you would have thought it was a fucking current release. They were all good. Yeah, no, I think it's a, you can sh- see the beauty of what uh, Grenache can be done if you treat it right. And I think um, Grenache is once again that you're thinking masculine, and feminine, and Grenache is definitely the feminine. Yeah, and you have to have the patience, and so. Uh, this block are actually two other winemakers, and we'll uh, not name names, but just say they were male chauvinists. And <laughs> muy, one was male chauvinist, one was muy machismo. And uh, within two years, they were both out of the vineyard because they would pick like a month before. Wow. Because they, they try to they pick it like any other grape. You cannot pick Grenache no, like any no, other grape. No. It, it tells you what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. And then you're so it's constantly That's waiting, right, waiting. <laughs> then you have this very, very fine window of time when you can get it done. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I think, uh, Grenache is just, uh, it's the ultimate like waiting game and patience. Um, yeah. so, yeah. And so, uh, you've made a lot of wine over the years. Is there any particular wine, uh, that you're most proud of that stands out in your portfolio? Like, like a vintage that you're like, 
there I tasted a lot of his wines yesterday. They're all fucking great. This 19 Reserve, it's probably your current release, fucking delicious. But as a winemaker, is there one bit ba- like you're not supposed to have a favorite kid, but was there one baby came out like, oh, this is my baby? I think it was the second year I made it. it was 2005 it was a really special, and for the 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 youth of the vines, like it aged beautifully. Uh, it's gorgeous. And in vintages, I always like the. In 2000s, it was 2007, 2009. This past, I think 19 is kind of the vintage of the decade for that okay. generation. Yeah. Um, but probably the one wine that is most crazy was uh, the wine that I literally, my first vintage of Syrah that I literally pressed through cheesecloth. And uh, wow. Uh, the, the When they found I had commercial aspirations, like, well, you can't use any of my fruit. I'm like, Oh, any of my equipment. So I had to get my stuff out of there. And um, oh, wow. So I was literally pressing. I drained all the free run and pressed, <laughs> you know, into a funnel into this barrel. And so 2001, my first vintage of Syrah drank gorgeously to the day. And from day one, I've always been like native yeast, um, mm-hmm. true believer in that for reds. Yeah. Um, yep. But I think for whites, it's about uh, yeast really does do so much and gives you that sense of place and that yeah. if you don't have the terroir like you can have the yeast so, so it kind of works out yeah. alright Michael um, I know you gotta get back to the tasting and pour and talk about your wines even though your beautiful wife's there handling it holding it down but winemakers love to you know, talk about babies um, just one more question um, and it, it's 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 tough but it, 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 here's it goes okay so I'm gonna name three grapes okay and one of them you're gonna have to marry the other one's gonna be your mistress Another one you got to break up with. I love that analogy. Okay. That's so true. Okay. So here you go. Grenache, Syrah, and Movedra. Grenache, Syrah, Movedra. Okay. Who do you marry? Uh, I marry Grenache all day long. Movedra is going to be a one-night thing. (laughs) Uh, It's kind of like the one that you go home with and you're like all, whoa, like I was kind of drunk. And then uh, because... Morvedra is a funky grape, man. You know, and then I love me some Syrah, but I'll, I'll take Grenache every day, all day. And I always say, like, if you ask me, like, what grape, what what, what wine's my favorite that yeah. I've married? Yeah. It's this one right here. Yeah. Yeah. So, TNA, baby. <laughs> so, it's right got to have like, that it's perfect gotta, gotta be like, Oh, yeah. It's a, and then, you know, <laughs> yeah, you got to have yeah, a little yeah, bit of both, yeah, yeah, exactly. you know? Um, yeah. And that's the beauty of Grenache. Yep. Absolutely. Fucking Michael, this was so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this is so awesome. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. Right, one more thing. Tell everybody where they can uh, where they can find you, how they can find your wines, be a part of what you're doing. Right on. So basically the website, number one, kaenawine.com. So um, K-A-E-N-A, and we'll put all this in the show notes, but yeah. And um, so you can find me at Roy's, and if you're going out to Hawaii, like you go to your favorite Roy's restaurant, like I'll uh, ask for Kaena, they'll have it there. Um, um, the best place, of course, is if you come down to uh, the University of Santa Barbara. I have two taste rooms, one in Los Olivos and one in uh, Solving the beautiful flats. So I just have a gorgeous new spot, and um, yeah, there's a couple of places. Um, Vendome Liquor down in L.A. Okay. So, yeah, it's a, uh, but pretty sporadic. Definitely come see me, and then we'll Yeah, take come care. to the taste room and, and get tricked out. He's, he's, a, he's from Hawaii, so he's a beautiful soul. He's about the mahalo. He's about the love, and it really shows in your wines. Again, man, thanks a lot. I appreciate you, brother. Right on. This is long time coming. <laughs> <Stoked. laughs> Aloha. What's up, everybody? It's MJ, and I'm really excited for my next guest here. Let me introduce you, uh, winemaker Guillaume Fabre of Clos Saline in Paso Robles, California. He was born and raised in the southeast of France, Narbonne, 
Guillaume comes from a family of grape growers and winemakers. I'm going to do the services in Viron. You come from a family of Viron? Yeah. Uh, yeah. After 24 years in Narbonne, he moved to Bordeaux. Not convinced he wanted to make wine in Bordeaux, he took a harvest internship at La Vonsure and Paso Robles. He fell in love with the soil and terroir of Paso Robles. And what was supposed to be a three-month harvest internship turned into six months. He was offered the <laughs> position of assistant winemaker. While working at La Vonsure, he worked day and night on his own project to launch his very own brand. In 2007, Close Celine was born. Guillaume, welcome. Hey, thank you, MJ. Wow. Yeah. You did a good job on the uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I've been reading since I was five years old. I got that part down. <laughs> um, yeah, the story is 99.9 tr true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you know, let's give it. Uh, so, wow. Your family is, you come from a family of and, uh, so Narbonne, exactly. Narbonne. Nar Narbonne. Narbonne, yeah. Okay. Which is in Languedoc-Roussillon. Okay, so I was going to say, Corbière, yep. making Carignan. Okay, yep. okay. And so uh, you didn't want to do be in a family business per se, so you went to Bordeaux next? Yeah, so actually my uh, family sold the property in 2000. Oh, okay. And uh, I was like 20, 20 at that time, 21. And I was on the mist to kind of take over that place. Yeah. And then they decided to sell with my mom. And they <laughs> moved. <laughs> Say, what? Why? Why? You know? I said, so... It was a good thing. It yeah. was actually a blessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. And so, um, I mean, the blessing to 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 learn other horizon. I mean, yes, yes. Um, so how did you? And then so um, you went to Bordeaux, and we were making wine. Or is that where your family moved to? So the the family moved to Bordeaux. Okay. Uh, uh, so they bought a property in two thousand before to sell theirs. Okay. Where was that? Uh, in Cordebourg, okay. which is in the right bank. Yep. They look in um, in actually uh, in the Rhone Valley. Okay. They didn't find anything. They actually launched, they stayed, uh, they arrived in Bordeaux, which was, you know, great, other people. And then he helped me to find my <coughs> wife, Solène. I met her oh. over there. See, <laughs> look at, see, if they hadn't sold the farm, you wouldn't have met your wife. Um, That's exactly true. So, um, but you were in Bordeaux and you, you weren't really, what was it about Bordeaux? So, that, that you, know, did, you know, between 20 and 22 years old, I stayed in Languedoc to help my dad to sell the place. Okay. Kind of, I was uh, managing the team with him. He was in Bordeaux and I was at school. And uh, when I went to Bordeaux, I told him, you know, eh, it's good to work with you for a couple of months, but I want to kind of see, <laughs> you know, now other horizon right. over the world. He yeah. said, what do you mean? I said, you know, I want to travel. Which I never did. I never took a backpack. Mm. Oh, never wow. took an airplane. Wow! wow. Uh, you know, I never had a visa. You know, a passport, and yeah. I had to do all of that. Yeah. I was 22. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, you're, you were. I didn't travel till I was like 30. No, I traveled a little bit, but like, yeah, I, I get it. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then so, how'd you hear about Laventure? So uh, when you move to Bordeaux, it's 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 definitely a group of people know everybody. Okay, you know, so that's they know all each other, and a good friend of mine, you know, my family met in Bordeaux. Said, you know, why don't you go see Stefanaceo? Say, who is he? Pass Robles. I saw he was in Mexico, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I start to Google it and. And I see the scores, Robert Parker, 95 points. Say, wow, this guy is real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cool. And, and, and I think you two have something to common because apparently what I read, I read about uh, Stefan is that he, didn't, he loved Paso Robles um, because he, was a, he saw what you could do when you could blend like Syrah with Cabernet. Yeah. And you can't yeah. do that in Bordeaux. Right, Correct. yeah. Because of yeah. The, the, uh, you know, it might change, you know, as we heard, uh, yeah. the, 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 climate the climate differently. Yeah. You could do that on some AVAs in France, in Languedoc, but you are like 
uh, declassified, mm -hmm. so you know. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, you came over, and uh, you know, you Frenchman. You're like, hey, Frenchman, I'm a Frenchman. <laughs> and he's like, oh, this is great. Um, so yeah, because I didn't talk English then, so that was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and the first guy I met, who he was, Eric Johnson. Oh, <laughs> boy, that must have been fun for you. Yeah, it took me 10 minutes to understand the first word. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, he talks so fast. That is Eric. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it says you were going to be here for three months and then you, you actually was Yeah, it was actually 10 months. Uh, first intern and Solen went to Spain. Uh, we were fiancé at that time. He said, you know, let's, let's have a time off and then you do your thing, I do mine. And I finally love, I call her a cigash, you know, I love you, you got to come back here. <laughs> <laughs> we went to Vegas. <laughs> wow, you got, you did, oh man. You, you, we uh, did the whole nine yards. You did the whole like <laughs> full on American dream when we're going to Vegas. That's so awesome. Did you go to like a cheesy chap or just like City Hall? <laughs> no, we didn't get married yeah, yeah. first in place. Okay. We did a year after with Stefan. We did a huge, okay. huge party. We were 20. Oh, and awesome. I think it was 40, 40 bottles for 20 people. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Elvis married us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fantastic. So um, how long, it looks like you rose amongst the ranks. How long did it take you to become assistant winemaker? So, you know, I was never looking for a title. Yeah. I just like, I'm super passionate about what I do. And mm. Stefan, I really connected right away. Mm -hmm. And I was like my second father, I would say. Mm -hmm. And uh he, we kind of connected very quickly because you know we have when you have the same passion it's easy yeah. to you know yeah. I didn't care to be assistant winemaker bottle floor washer whatever I said you know I stay three more years with you and then you know for sure it was, yeah. was great that's fantastic so um, all the while you were working on close Celine um, and I have your 2018 Harmony in my glass it's absolutely delicious um, I get better. <laughs> what what um what would you say is um so you were working on as most winemakers do like you you got your day job and then you're working on your side project what was the motivation and what is what is uh the significance of the name Closeline so I mean definitely um name after Solène my wife um, okay. which it took us about six months to kind of find the name uh, we never call ourselves when you are in Europe. Yeah. in France so, but people say hey Solène is a beautiful name it's like sun mm -hmm. what about Clo on the front and it's really what we wanted to do like small intimate we only produce now we are about 5,000 cases okay we started with 25 in 07 mm -hmm. two barrels on the back of L'Aventure wow you started with 25 cases wow yeah two barrels yeah, yeah. my father in bought my barrel mm -hmm. and then a bottle of fruit and you know we <laughs> launched it <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible so um, now you live here now, now you live here you're married Obviously, are you a citizen? Are you, you got your green card? You got all oh, stuff. Oh, don't talk about immigration. Uh, Do really? you know a good lawyer? I, <laughs> I, I, I could find you. I did go to law school. I'm sure I know I can find you if you need a good lawyer. I'll, yeah, I'll that's look a, into it for you. I, yeah. I bullshit you. I'll ask one of my professors. Who, who do you know in immigration in California? <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> Put season number on the bottom of the screen. <laughs> call <laughs> me. Exactly. Better call Saul. <laughs> um, so what are you uh, most proud of? as a winemaker um i think the the beauty of this region is um how people be beautiful they are you know very open-minded open doors uh that's that was huge you yeah. know to me as a as a winemaker it feels so good to be welcomed and uh, do your passion in an area where people are 
super cool, super passionate about what you do. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, that's that's my adrenaline, you know. That's my my, my drugs, you know. I always say that mm -hmm. when I see people say, oh "My gosh, I like your wine," mm -hmm. and it gave, gets me more envy, you know, yeah. to continue. Yeah. Right, you know? right, absolutely. I mean, that's, so I that's know the uh, feeling. So yeah. that's huge. That is huge, and there is a through line from everybody I've interviewed. Like everybody in Paso is so generous and 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 works and helps each other out. Right, they're willing to give oh, yeah. advice and yeah. you know um, to lift the whole uh, region. Um, Absolutely. So, how many? So this is your 2018. How many? So how many yeah. vintages have you had? So this is like the 11th or 10th? So 11th? we started 07, 08 was actually the first trade we met. Okay. Uh, we did, I'm sorry. It was actually those two wines. Okay. Uh, so now it's 10 years old. What's the difference between 10 years ago to 2018? I mean, now it's been 15 years. Mm. I would say we, we try to gain a little bit more freshness to the wine, mm -hmm. uh, more drinkability. That's our goal on our wines, which is not easy when you are like in a warm area like Paso. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. But I will tell you... Um, these wines, I mean, they, they're they're fresh, good acid. They're never cloying, but they have that full. I love Rhone stuff. There's that full extraction flavor, that ripeness that I yeah. enjoy in a wine. Um, so, out of all those vintages, is, is there a wine that for you is like wow? Yeah, like 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 you were like this is you know obviously you're gonna keep making wine, but like like you maybe like five like wow I I got it this year. Was there a vintage yeah. for you? You know, it's funny you say that because I, I was talking to a French winemaker. He said, you know what. It took me 40 years to really dial in. I say, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 43. Okay, let me calculate that. <laughs> but I think, you know, it's uh, making wine, it's, uh, you know, it's a gut feeling. I, I, I got mm -hmm. lucky to start to make wine. I was very young with my dad. Mm -hmm. And when I came here, I saw right away the potential. And I think those wines, you, s you, you say uh, freshness, but yeah. I think it came from a terroir. You know, yeah, wow. we do our yeah. magic, we mm -hmm. do our things. That's true. Mm -hmm. But definitely after we have the terroirs, the soils, and then those one can be, you know, from the same winemaker can be one way to the other way. And mm -hmm. when you have a terroir, you still have a distinction of all of them because you have this terroir on the back. Yeah. You know? Wow. Yeah. So. And so we've been here for, uh, you know, we, we had some time to taste some wine since we've been here. And, and I and I what I love winemaking. No, I've been <laughs> I, I shut it down early last night, man. I, I did. I did. I, for me, it was two nights ago. Yeah, It'd be harder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I last night I was like, nah, I got, I got to be fresh. I have a Frenchman coming. I had two French guys coming on. Oh, and who was he? The uh, oh, it was uh, Frederic. Uh, oh, Frederic uh, from Pesky. Uh, yeah, not from Pesky. Uh, Sorry, that's okay. That's <laughs> my mom. I mean, my producer. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have a terrific crew. By I know. I, she's amazing. Um, uh, uh, from uh, from Ventoux. From Chateau Pesquet. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and it's like oh, Chateau Pesquet. Yeah. It's just like sucks. Like you know, like these French guys. They're, they're tall. They're suave. They're good looking. <laughs> they have accent. Like they can learn a language in like in six months. I you know I took seven years of French. I'm like je ne sais no, pas. No, it took me ten years. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but um, yesterday, because it was also older vintages, was there anything you tasted that really um, you like? You were like, wow, excited you? So it's funny. Yesterday, I actually didn't walk too much the rooms because okay. I stayed pretty much on the booth. Okay. Um, today, I'm going to work a little bit. Okay. But you're right. The day to do it was yesterday. Yeah. With all the vintages. Yeah. Uh, for us, we had 16. What did you taste? What did you? Oh, I was working, man. I, I think I. Um, <laughs> oh, you know what? Um, believe it or not, um, you know uh, Mike Mikel Siguin. He's from Santa Barbara. Um, he makes Grenache. He had a fucking 2001 Grenache that was outrageous. 01. 01. 01. An 01, 05, and an 08. Yeah. Wow. All outrageous. 
So 05 definitely cooler vintage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the 08. Yeah, I, cool I, 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 was, I was yeah. Bl I was blown away. I, I, I you know, um, and so uh, I just love that. Um, so, <clears throat> do you make wine? I I'm gonna let people on <laughs> secret. I'm I'm gonna I'm. A wine project was hatched last night. Oh, cool. Night. Yeah. Last yeah. night? Huh? Last night. What time it was? Uh, <laughs> it was around, you know, uh, 1.43. Um, alcohol might have been involved. There might have been marijuana, which I'll say because it's legal <laughs> in all the states I live in. Um, <laughs> might have been involved. I don't know. But I woke up and I was like, nope. It's going to be no, 90 it wasn't No, 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 no. I, no I, I, I woke up and I was like, no, it's going to be. I, I was like, no, we're going to change those percentages. I don't want any Syrah. And I was like, so, yeah. So, uh, so, um, Did you I, buy a winery too or not? No, no, <laughs> but I'm just going to. We're going to buy some grapes. We're going we're to be a garage east. We're just going to garage it. We're going to make. That's the best way to Yeah, go. yeah. We're going to start. And uh, and then also I have a. Uh, I might just do a, uh, a black wine guy bottling with another friend of mine who makes wine down in uh, San Ynez. Oh, great. Yeah. But yeah. no, but this wine is definitely a. Uh, me and uh, me hands on. I'm gonna be in there working on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. Do you have the perception to make wine? Do you, have you run already? Uh? Yeah, you know, I, I. Uh, <laughs> I, I so you, yeah, you should tell me, right? No, I know. I love. No, I don't. I don't mind. This is awesome. This is the best. And, why, and the French guys also, they're funny. What the fuck? <laughs> no, I'm not too funny. He's like, <laughs> my wife will tell you. I'm not too funny. Well, my wife doesn't think I'm funny either, but everybody else does. Well, almost everybody else. Um, no, so yeah, no, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get down and dirty with this. But I originally lived, I lived in Santa Barbara for 10 years, and this was in 1990 I moved. And I wanted to be a winemaker, but I was 30 and had come from New York, and I wish they all could be California girls. There was no way I was leaving Santa Barbara proper and going over into the valley, so that didn't happen. But now... Now uh, I'm ready to do something. That's so right. yeah. So last thing, man. Um, I'm gonna give you three grapes. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna name three grapes. One uh, you're gonna marry. One's gonna be your mistress, and one you have to ditch. Wow. Yeah. And Can so you that to yeah. Time? So so no. We're gonna right now. <laughs> what grape you gonna marry? Which one's your mistress, and which one you're never gonna see again? You're gonna ditch. All right, so Grenache, Syrah, and Movedra. Mary, mistress, ditch. Mary, Syrah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and who's your mistress? Grenache. <laughs> <laughs> and the ditch. I, I guess Moved, I guess yeah. so. Bye. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, Moved. <laughs> How do you say? Mo Mo Moved. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I said Moved is a tough one, but uh, it's challenge is w great when you make wine. Yeah, and this one is definitely a challenge. Yeah, I love making it. That's what I've heard. I mean, everybody's like, "Ooh, why?" I'm like, "Why did you do that?" I'm like, "Because it's it's a Rhone varietal, so I'm gonna yeah. make it hard for you." Um, but they're like, I, "I would have to like Moved grow." So listen, um, <laughs> thank you so much. Is it already done? Oh, yeah, gosh. it's already done, <laughs> Guillaume. Guillaume, please tell everybody where they can find uh, about your wine, so they can be a part of what you're doing at Closeline. Yeah, so we have a website, Closeline.com, for sure. Uh, you can visit it. You can, uh, you know, uh, tell us all the criticizing of the website. Maybe we can do better. <laughs> you know, you'll find the wine somewhere in the cart, I think, somewhere <laughs> like that. <laughs> Membership, too. So, no, you definitely we sell DTC. Okay. And we have a, a few distributors, but not too, too much. Yeah. yeah. We're yeah. still small. Yeah. So thank you no, for having me. No, was a pleasure. no, thank you for not and fun. leaving. Uh, we ca we caught you, and uh, I will be back to visit. I hope to come taste do some barrel taste. Yeah, you should. Yeah, yeah. And good, good uh, congrats on your project. Thank you. Thanks so much. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. You had some fun while you were here. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five star review on whatever platform you're listening to. 
And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to blackwineguy.com and get on our email list. 